For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Jeff Vidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, uh, we have a special guest, uh, former Chiefs, former Raiders quarterback, Rich Gannon, a former MVP who uh, is now a broadcaster for CBS, is joining uh, former Chiefs offensive lineman uh, Joe Valerio. Rich, thanks for joining us. Jeff, it's so good to be with you. And, of course, my good guy, Joe V. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent a lot of great times together in Kansas City. And, as you know, everyone is so excited about what just transpired in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs winning the, the Super Bowl. And it's taken a while, 50 years to get back. But uh, what an amazing season for uh, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. On on that note, Rich, I know you've covered and broadcast them a lot. When was the first, and as a, as a former quarterback, when was the first time you really uh, noticed and could tell that Patrick Mahomes was special? Was it even like a practice during his rookie season or something? Well, you know, the rookie season, you know, I don't think anyone really had an idea other than maybe the people inside the organization how good of a player this guy was going to be. Because remember, Alex Smith really played well that year at mm-hmm. the Chiefs and so, you know, Patrick didn't get a chance really to play the week 17, kind of in a meaning, meaningless game. And, and then, of course, the following year, which was last year, he wins the NFL MVP. And I remember, you know, him getting off to a really good start and talking to Andy Reid like week four, week five. And Andy was pretty adamant about, hey, look, he's playing well, but he's a young quarterback. He's really just a first-year player. And he's going to make mistakes. There are going to be growing pains. Well, that never happened. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't make any mistakes, but he, he just kind of like breezed right through the growing pain, uh, you know, part of the process. And he just moved into like instant stardom. And, you know, that, that's really rare for a quarterback that's really playing for the first time, experiencing NFL defenses, the speed of the game, to be able to play and to be able to manage, you know, situational football the way he did. He's mature beyond his years. Um, he's an amazing leader. He's got a ridiculous skill set. And I think he's well-respected by his teammates and peers because the way he plays, the way he prepares, the fun he has playing the game. And he's got, as you guys know, tremendous leadership skills. And uh, I'll tell you, I think he's the best quarterback in the game right now. Hey, hey Rich, keeping on that theme of, of you know, Patrick Mahomes' quarterback, I mean, you know, look, he reminds me so much of you in, in his athletic ability. And I, I think back to, you know, we, you know, Rich and I grew up in Philadelphia together and, you know, thinking about your time at St. Joe's Prep and three varsity letters, you know, you, you, you rode crew, you played basketball, you punted, you played quarterback. I mean, tell us about what you think, Rich, about athletic ability as it relates to the quarterback position. And, you know, if, if you think it was why you were so successful and why you think Pat Mahomes is, is successful. Well, it's a good point. I think it's really important, like, to play quarterback at that level, we all know about the arm talent, right? Everyone's got to have a good arm and all those different things. But you, I think what he does from the waist down 
is significant. His ability to improvise, extend plays, his athleticism, his creativity, his escapability. You know, a lot of the things that we see with Aaron Rodgers, especially young Aaron Rodgers, right? A guy that can make a ridiculous throw running to his right and throwing back to his left. So I think it goes back to, you know, Patrick growing up. You know, he played a lot of sports. He's a very good baseball player. He's around professional athletes at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was just, he was, he was a gym rat. Um, you know, I, I think everything he's kind of picked up, he's been pretty good at, but you know, he's a really good baseball player. I think the ability to pick up a ball at the shortstop position, throw it quickly to the first base, that quick release, that be able to throw from, you know, awkward arm angles, things that he just does naturally that he did it obviously in college, but that he's taken to another level at, at, in the NFL. And I just think, you know, he has got a very unique skill set. He's got great feet. He's very strong in his, his, his lower body. He's got good core strength. And he's got a ridiculous arm talent. I mean, you know, there's not a throw or a place on the field that's a weakness for him. He can make every throw outside the numbers, deep down the yeah. the boundary, uh, you know, the deep ball, the the, the, the post, the bang eight from in the red zone. Um, you know, he's got great touch. You know, the ability to throw the ball a little bit of air um, and be able to drop it over a linebacker and, you know, in, into a hole. So he's, he's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty, you know, Rich, one of the things that we've been talking about on the podcast all, all season, Jeff and I, is the chief's ability to use the entire field. I mean, as a quarterback, and I, and I try to give my best, I try to give my best insights from, 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 I call it the seven foot closet, right? I mean, you know, tackle to tackle. It's a little, it's a little bit of close space. I mean, some of your insights, Rich, into why this Chiefs offense and why Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, you know, teaming up, you know, created so much success in the field. One of the things we, Jeff and I, talked about is the is the is their ability to use the whole field and really to be successful from you know like six yards to twelve yards. Do, do you, how do you feel about the success of the Chiefs' offense and, and why they were able to put up so so much? Well, I think that you're right, Joe. I think they stretch the field not only vertically but horizontally. I mean, they make you defend the field sideline to sideline. Um, I think with the short, quick passing game, uh, I think with the ability to attack in the middle of the field with, with obviously, you know, Kelsey, um, you know, they do a great job moving him around. So he's not just an inline player. He's not just lined up at the tight end position. He's lined up in the slot. He's lined up outside the numbers. They motion him and move him around. So I think there's a couple of things when I really study this offense, I, I think first and foremost, it's the, it's the scheme. Got a tremendous scheme. They got a great, they got great play callers and guys that put together great plans, but I think they also have great team speed. And I think when they build a game plan, they build it around the personnel they have up and available that week. You know, a lot of times it wasn't Damian Williams. It wasn't LaShawn McCoy. It's a different back in there. They've got a specific plays for specific backs. You've got a, a tight end that's very unique um, that, you know, is, is a matchup nightmare. You know, if you put a linebacker on them, that's, that's ridiculous. You put a safety on them, that's not going to work. You put a, your best cover corner on them, that doesn't always work. So, you know, you start as a defense, you say, well, how are we going to stop 87? You know, how are we going to defend the tight end? And all of a sudden you say, well, what about the team speed they have on the perimeter? When you look at Hill and Watkins and, and Hardman, um, you know, so, I mean, I think they're, they had the fastest skill set in, in, in offense and football. I think when you look at their team speed, when you, and that includes the quarterback. You look at the quarterback, the running back, the tight end, and the receivers. This is a team that can spread you out and attack you horizontally and vertically, and they make it very difficult for you to play man-to-man. And I just think that uh, they got a quarterback that is patient, 
quarterback that sees the field's got great vision, and they've got a they've got a play caller that sees the game through the eyes of the quarterback. That's a pretty good combination. Yeah, the whole package. Uh, going back to the Chiefs uh, a little bit in the past, Rich, um, t- take listeners through your career with the Chiefs and how you joined the team. Because obviously you had such a successful tenure with the Chiefs, and then shortly thereafter, I mean, you were MVP of the league and, and, and one of the best players in the game. But it really kind of revived your career in Kansas City, if you could tell listeners uh, about how that went. Yeah, it did. You know, and Joe, we're going to kick out of this. I, had, I <laughs> got a phone call yesterday from a guy that knew us well. In fact, was, was partly responsible for both of us winding up in Kansas City at different times. Uh, so Terry Bradway was the pro personnel director of the Kansas City Chiefs. He called me the other day. He was actually jogging the boardwalk, Joe, in Ocean City, New Jersey. And I told him I was going to be on with him. He said, you got to tell Joe B. I said, hello. But um, a good friend of ours, and he, uh, they put together a really good football team. And we were talking about the 95 team and 97 team, teams that went 13-3. and three. Unfortunately, lost in the first round of the playoffs, even though we had home field advantage at home. I think the thing that held us back, there were a couple things. First of all, both of those teams in 95 and 97 had defenses, especially the 97 defense. That was the best defense in football. Mm-hmm. That, that, that team was good enough to win a Super Bowl. There's no question in my mind. We had a good offensive line. We ran the ball really well. We didn't make a lot of mistakes. We didn't turn the football over. We were pretty good in the kicking game. We were really good on defense. We weren't good enough at the quarterback position, and that's really what, what held us back. And we weren't great um, at wide receiver. And so, you know, Tony Gonzalez was a dev- just a young, developing player mm-hmm. then. But those were the positions that held us back a little bit. But the quarterback position, and I'm not knocking Steve Bono or even Elvis Gerbein, but, you know, they didn't play particularly well um, in those games. And, um, that, you know, that's when you got to step up. That, that's really when you know the, the rubber meets the road. You, you've got to you've got to be able to play good football, and we just didn't get that from those players. And it's unfortunate because you look at the way the defense played in the, in the loss to the Colts at home in 90, 90 What was that, Joe? That was ninety five. It was ninety five. Yeah, Rich. I think. Yeah, and then, we, we talked about that uh, earlier. That I th- I always say that was even though we got physically closer in nineteen ninety three with Joe Montana going to the AFC yeah, right. championship game. I always say that that year we were mentally closer to the, to the Super Bowl than any of the years in my time. They were good teams. And they're, those were teams that were peaking at the right time. And we were playing really good football late in December. And, and so in 95, you know, we were good enough to win, um, I, I think. And, but, again, that, that, that position was, was holding us back. 97, I think the defense was even better. And, you know, Elvis hadn't played for like seven weeks. And then all of a sudden they, they threw him in there against the Saints. And he played, I think, you know, part of the first half I came in and played the, the rest of the game. Then we had the bye week and then he played against Denver. And what's, what's, what's unfortunate is you look at the loss of the Colts in 95 in the playoff game and the loss to the Broncos in 97. Our defense, I think we held the, the, the Broncos to, what was it, 13 points or 14 points. Mm-hmm. Um, we held the Colts to, like, I don't know, 17 points. So, I mean, we, we played winning football on defense, and we didn't do our job on offense, and that's really what held us back. That's unfortunate because you don't get that many opportunities, you know, to, to, especially in Kansas City, to win 13 games in the regular season, to host to have home field advantage for the playoffs at a place like Arrowhead, and you can't get the job done, you can't win two games, two home games, go to a Super Bowl. That's that, that's a problem, and that's unfortunate. But the good news is, 
you know, this year they found a way to get it done. And the difference to me is the quarterback. I mean, that kid is a great player. He's not a good player. He's a transformational player. He is a guy that doesn't come along all that often. And, and you know, they're going to they're gonna be good for a while. Yeah, I really think. I mean, Rich, I'll never forget that, that day when I saw you come in the weight room and I'm thinking, oh, man, here is a guy that I watched, you know, through – high school and then college and then, you know, getting to meet you in those early years uh, when I was with the Chiefs, when we would go to the Vikings, you know, we would meet you guys in Mankato. Yeah, uh, right. And, you know, with Brent Novoselsky, who was a Penn grad and Minusky sure. and all the, you know, all those guys. And, and, and it was, you know, and then to see you come into that locker room um, in Kansas City, you know, we were down in the training facility and I just, you know, I think about how cool that was that, you know, we were bringing that Philly connection together <laughs> and, and um, I, I was just, it was such a thrill. It was such a thrill to get to play. You with know, it was so much fun to play, you know, honestly, and, and I've said this before, like I was lucky. I played 17 years in the and, and the most fun years I ever had were the four in Kansas City. I mean, I, you know, I had the most success in Oakland, no question about it. I went to four straight Pro Bowls, his league MVP, he went to three, you know, we've won three AFC West titles, two ACQ and two AFC championship games of the Super Bowl. I mean, all that was good, but the team that I had that we played with in Kansas City, these guys that cared about one another, we had a tight locker room. We enjoyed competing against each other, with each other, you know, and, um, you know, those were special times. Marty was a really, really good football coach. He's probably the best coach I ever had, you know, in terms of a head coach. You know, John was a great play caller, good in, in Oakland, but, you know, the one thing that, that was different in Kansas City, Joe, it was never my team, right? When I got there, you know, Steve Bono was taking over for Joe Montana. So it was really, you know, it was it was Steve Bono's team. And then after two years of that, they brought in Elvis Gerbach. It wasn't my team either, you know. So I, I did the best I could. I tried to be a good teammate. I tried to support those guys. When I, when I got my chance to play, I never looked back. And I just really felt like, and Marty has said it since, but like, that was a big mistake to put Elvis back in. And not because... He's a bad guy. He's a bad quarterback. He just wasn't physically ready to play. He hadn't played in seven yeah. weeks. And we were yeah. playing, and we were moving the ball. The offense yeah. was playing well. We were on a roll. And then all of a sudden, to pull the rug out from under the offense and to make a change like that to a guy that really hadn't played. I thought I thought the biggest thing that hurt him in that game was his conditioning. And I knew I was on the sidelines, and I could see him come to the sidelines. One, one, one or two points, he called a timeout because he couldn't get the play out of his mouth. He had a big scramble. He got back to the huddle. He was gassed. Wow. And, like, that's a problem when you get into January football, playoff football, and conditioning is an issue. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the biggest mistake. His conditioning wasn't right, and he really wasn't physically ready to play. And it's no fault of his because, you know, he was doing everything he could to try and get back. Right. I just think that was a big mistake from the coaching perspective. And- coaching, that was a big mistake. And Chiefs fans certainly remember. I mean, that was a very controversial decision. You were uh, playing so well, and like you said, nothing against Gerbach, but it's tough coming back from that injury. Rich, I want to know a good Joe Valerio story <laughs> from either your playing days, from you knowing him from Philly. What you got for us? Well, first of all, a couple of things about Joe. He's one of my favorite teammates because he's genuinely sincere. He always had a smile on his face. Like, you know, we were going to two-day practices, and – you know, we'd be up there at River Falls, and everybody would be sitting there, and everybody would be in a bad mood. Joe would come in and be smiling, laughing, giggling. You know, he loved football. He loved competing, and he was a great teammate. And 
still long before I got there. I mean, he was catching touchdowns from Joe Montana and doing an ST plunge in the back of the end zone. So, <laughs> you know, and honestly, he, the thing that was great, I got a chance to play with Joe a little bit, even in the preseason, because, you know, we, we'd get together and we, it, Joe could play center, he could play guard, if he had to go play tackle, he could play tight end. Joe's versatility, he was one of the best long snappers in the league, special teams, I mean, he did it all. And on top of that, you know, Marty used to always say, you can't win with dumb players. Joe was smart. I mean, he knew the game plans inside and out. He knew different positions. So his versatility, that was an important component for us, to be able to have players that could, you know, do a, a number of different things and not just do them, but do them really well at a high level. So he took great pride in his preparation, his performance each week. And you, know, you love playing with guys like that because football was important to him. It was fun. You know, they loved competing and, and that's why those teams, in my opinion, were really good teams. They were well-coached. And you know, we had guys that liked each other. I can remember mm-hmm. sitting in the locker room with Joe and Tim Grunhardt and Will Shields and them, those guys on Saturday morning taking their offensive line test, you know? And they had, <laughs> they had to fill in, like, these, you know, protection things. Remember that, Joe, and all yeah. the stuff that you guys were doing? And, and, of course, Joe was, like, the pen guy. So, like, oh, you know, Tim Grunhardt, the Notre Dame guy. Hey, Joe, what, 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 you know, these guys are all looking at Joe's. Joe's test is get the answer. But, but, <laughs> I was like taking but, uh, the SATs all over again. Yeah, but you know, they was that was a great time and I mean there's tons of stories about Joe and things we did on the airplanes going to games. Minowski Minowski messing with the, Joe, you remember the time we were flying back from Tokyo and and everyone bought those lottery tickets because the lottery was like a couple hundred million dollars. <laughs> and, we, and we had that we had that quarterback from Cal, Pat Barnes. And Minowski yep. somehow found out one of his ticket numbers. He went to the pilot and said, read off this ticket as if, as if it's the winning ticket. And the pilot made the announcement as we were flying back from Tokyo, back to Kansas City from a preseason game. And he told all the players to pull out their tickets that he had the winning number from the States. And he was going to read off the, the, the numbers. He started reading off the numbers. Now, we all knew it. And Pat Barnes started going crazy. Like he, he won he the lottery. And, and he was going to tell people, I'm going to retire. Meanwhile, well, this kid was a rookie. I'm going to retire. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, this and that. And, and they, they had to convince him that he really didn't have the winning ticket. He didn't believe it for like 30 minutes. He thought they were lying to him. And that, I mean, the stuff we did like that, and we had yeah. so much fun and we, we had a great locker room. We did. Lamar Hunt really made it a family affair. You know, it was, it was, he, I think it started at the top in Kansas City. And I think he really, he made it feel that way uh, all the way from the top. And, and I think the Hunt family always did us right um, as players. I know, I know that much, but it so is. How, how, about, how, about, how about after the games when Mr. Hunt would come in the locker room, win, lose, or draw? And oh. he'd come in the locker room and he'd, he'd thank the guys. I mean, literally, like, you play, you play poorly. Hey, thanks, thanks for your effort yeah. today. You know, whatever. I'd be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Shake every but guy's that, hand. You know, oh, every yeah. guy. Ask every guy how their how their spouse, significant oh, other, fiance, whatever friends were. I mean, he just yeah. They he don't make true, them. True they, don't, they don't make them. They don't make them like that, Joe. Yeah, he's pretty amazing, Rich. That's it's so been cool. Fantastic chatting with you, buddy. And more with. Uh, we'll have a question or two more with Rich here, but first some breaking news. We have an important PSA, a pubic service in Mount Smith, which is brought to you by manscaped.com. It's a brand new trimmer, best on the market, third generation. The Lawnmower 3.0 manscaping trimmer is now available for purchase. The features, well, it's the leading cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. 
and use code BLEAV. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. Uh, Rich, as we're ratchet, wrapping up here, uh, I also wanted to ask you what you thought, you know, Chiefs fans are always looking at the AFC West. How do you see the Raiders? You obviously know John Gruden played under them. Where do you see that that team going? Well, they've got, they've got some work to do. Uh, I, I thought last year, you know, I thought the draft was good. They brought in a, another Philly guy, Mike Mayock, who's been the general manager now. And he, I think he's done a good job with the draft. They, they've got some good young players. They've got a good running back and a good safety. And, um, you know, I, I think I think the future is bright. The thing that's held them back, honestly, is the quarterback play. You know, Derek Carr has been in the league, I think, six years. Uh, I think he's lost 55 games in six years. Um, he, he's He's – you know, his, his numbers are decent, but he just hasn't played great late in games when it matters the most. And so, you know, I, I know they're always looking to upgrade every position. I'm sure that's a position of, of concern. He's got to play better. But, um, you know, defensively, they've not been particularly good over the years. Mm-hmm. As Max Crosby's going to be a pretty good pass rusher. But I think this division is in, uh, in a, a bit of a uh, – you're going through a, a bit of change. Think about it, you know. Philip Rivers no longer in yeah. quarterback of the Chargers, right? Uh, the Denver Broncos, you know, they, they they went through a coaching change last year, and they've they got a young quarterback that they're trying to develop. And, and Joe Flacco may not be back in in 2020. Uh, you look at the, the the Raiders, right? They they've lost a lot of football games. John Gruden's come back. They got a new general manager. So, I mean, where the stability is is really in Kansas City. You know, sure. you look at the ownership, you look at the general manager, you look at the head coach, you look at the coaching staff that's in place, you look at the quarterback. They've got a good young roster. Um, so, to me, I think everyone in the West, including the Raiders, is trying to chase the Chiefs. Absolutely. Yeah. The four, four years in a row, pretty amazing that they're AFC West champs, the Chiefs, and with Mahomes, it looks to be the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, look, I, I got great respect for the job that uh, Brett Beach has done as a general manager. He's a former Delaware guy. I'm, I'm real proud <laughs> of him. And, and Andy Reid, guys, you know, Joe and I – uh, and Jeff, you know, we've watched this guy in Philly for years, and then he's gone to Kansas City. He's done a terrific job, and it, it's been frustrating for him. I know, and his family, to be close so many times, right? To to be right on the on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles, or to be in a, a playoff game and just simply not get it done. And so, I was really happy for Andy. I know it's been uh, a real process of, of putting this thing together, but I think he's got. The, the nucleus in place to really do some damage and to, to go on a, a, a roll here. I mean, it's a good football team. The quarterback is grounded. Uh, he's healthy. Uh, he's got, you know, I mean, I think he's only going to get better, which is kind of scary when you think about it. He's yeah. the MVP and is really his first full season two years ago. But this past season, you know, I get one of those 50 votes for the MVP award. And he was, I'm sure he was in the top three, even though he missed a couple games. So, uh, this gonna be pretty. This gonna be pretty exciting to watch what the Chiefs can do, and whether or not they they can defend in 2020. For sure. Hey, Rich. One one last question, and we'll let you go. And we really appreciate. It. What an honor to have you on and to catch up with you and 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 hear you know what you've been going on going through and and uh, you know letting all the great Chiefs fans that listen uh, hear what you've been up to. What what would you say is your your favorite football memory? You know, high school, college, NFL. Like, what, what's what's something that you just you remember and you say you know that just left such an indelible impression on me that I, i've taken it with me my whole life you know it's a great question joe i i've been asked that question before so you know it's so hard when you think back to like 
even playing like grade school football or high school football, college, you know, um, I just think it's the times you spend with your, your teammates, you know what I mean? And, and, and unfortunately, you know, usually your closest teammates are the guys you played high school and college ball. Cause in the NFL, everybody kind of is married. They go their separate ways. They get traded, they get released, they get, right. you know, and they're no longer, you know, I only played in Kansas city for four years. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you go to different teams and so it's a little bit different, but, um, I, I just, I guess, you know, the thing that I'm proud of is, look, I, I was like you, Joe. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to Michigan or Notre Dame. I, I went to a smaller school. I didn't come into the league with a silver spoon in my mouth. I had to work for every opportunity, fight and claw to get it. You know, I was proud that, you know, I made the team and, you know, I, I was able to stick it out and it took me, it took me a while to kind of, you know, find my way in the profession, but I eventually did and had some success. And, and, you know, I was able to last, you know, I was able to have a long career and, and uh, that to me was important, you know, just to, to show that, you know, a kid from Philly, you know, kids from Philly, like you and me and, and others that have come through Philadelphia and, and, and high school football, scholastic football, and, and go on to good places like Penn and Delaware that, you know, if you're good, they're going to find you. Like if you're, if you're, you're talented enough, you don't necessarily have to go to Florida state or Nebraska mm-hmm. or Michigan. If you're a good football player, um, there's opportunities for you. And, and look, it, it turned out pretty good for you and me. And we got good educations and, you know, we got, you know, we got an opportunity to play a game we loved and get paid pretty good for it. And, but most importantly, I think, you know, our legacy is that we played the game, we played it, we did it the right way. We, we worked at our craft, we were good pros and, and uh, we took pride in our preparation performance. I think it showed on Sundays and that's honestly, that's all you can do. You put your best foot forward, you try and play your best, but, it's a team game. It takes it takes a lot of things to fall into place to win a Super Bowl. It takes 53 guys all pulling together, great coaching, and a little bit of luck along the way. And um, you know that's what happened for the Chiefs this year. How about how about if Mahomes that injury that he suffered against Denver was the season-ending injury, what right? That, and it was such a peculiar in- injury yeah. too, right? That could have easily happened. Yeah. So it worked out well, and you know he he was able to come back in two and a half weeks and. And the rest is history. But um, what a great season. And I'm so happy for Norma Hunt, the Clark Hunt family, and everyone associated with what I think is one of the greatest organizations in, in all professional sports. Well, Rich, it's been so great having you on. And I'm not just not just because you're on the show with us you right now. You guys are the best. you gotta, you got to promise me before I go that you'll have me on next season. You, you won't wait till after the season to get me on. <laughs> no, absolutely not. We know how busy you are during the season, you and Kevin no, Harlan. you guys but- are the best. But you know, it's 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 amazing, you know, having having you on to uh, to give these kind of and, and 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 like I said, not just because you're on with us now and and we're we're sharing your stories. Literally, the best teammate anybody could ever have is is Rich Gannon. Well, I'll tell you what, character and, Jet, and, yeah. and what you had, your family values, everything you do, where you came from, amazing. And you know, the Chiefs were blessed to have you for four years. The Vikings, the Skins. Uh, the Raiders, University of Delaware, everywhere you've gone, Rich, you've made an impression. And, and you know, well, you're the un- best, brother. That means a lot. It means a lot coming for you. I can't wait to see you this summer in Ocean City. And, and uh, Jeff, Joan, keep doing keep doing uh, great work. I enjoy, uh, enjoy the podcast and uh, good luck with it. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk next, uh, next fall. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Rich. See you guys. Thanks and if so you much. enjoyed this show, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. We're going to be back next week 
and we're going to be all off season. We're going to be here and we're going to have more cool guests just like Rich Cannon. See you next week. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.